Welcome to the First Mass Podcast. Today is the second Sunday of Advent, and Pastor Ryan is sharing from Psalm 85 on the subject of God's unfailing love. Let's listen in as he shares from the Word of God. Good morning to all of you. It's good to see you this morning. I do want to remind you that uh, every Thursday, we get the opportunity to have our pastor pray with us and to, and to join him in prayer for so many different things uh, going on in the life of our church. And uh, so if you are part of that, you, you regularly get a text message for that about five minutes before. If you would like to join us in that prayer every Thursday, uh, you can text on the screen there, you see, text prayers to that phone number, and you will start getting uh, a little text message with a link to join on the Zoom uh, prayer every Thursday at 6 a.m. goes for about uh, 20 to 30 minutes. And uh, it is a, an amazing time to just join together with brothers and sisters in the faith and to pray for our church uh, and to pray for people and to pray for everything that's going on in, in the world around us. Uh, I get to share from you, for, with you this morning from Psalm 85. So if you have your Bibles with you, I, I encourage you to open that up to Psalm 85, whatever translation you've brought with you today. And uh, as you heard uh, this morning in the Advent reading, uh, we're talking about a theme called unfailing love or steadfast love, depending on the, uh, the translation that you have. Unfailing love, what a theme that we get to explore during the Advent season. Um, I have to tell you that Christmas and Advent are my favorite season of the entire year. Uh, Easter is a close second, but without Advent there and Christmas, there isn't Easter, right? Uh, so celebrating uh, the anticipation, Advent to me is always about anticipation, uh, celebrating the anticipation of the arrival of Jesus. Uh, we get to remember that he arrived uh, on a night long ago as a little newborn child, but we get to anticipate as well his arrival, uh, his coming arrival, his second arrival, when he will set foot on the earth once again. The unfailing love of God shown to us through the birth of his son, Jesus. Amen? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Unfailing love, steadfast love, faithful love. Advent, to me, means great anticipation. So I anticipate a season full of God's love, God's unfailing love, a renewal of sorts for me. And, and I hate to say it that way, but Advent is always, I, I wish I could say that I followed the Christmas spirit year round every day of the year, uh, but we get out of our, our cycle of Christmas, right? And the holidays and Advent anticipation, and we go through different seasons of life. I wish I could say that I stayed in that anticipation just 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but Advent every year is a renewal for me, a renewal of my understanding about the love that God has for me and for each of us. I have so many fond memories of Christmas, and I don't know about much of, of you guys. I'm still getting to know you and your traditions and uh, each of you in your personal lives. 
but I have so many fond memories of Christmas. I have lots of extended family that we spend time with, uh, lots of traditions of food, gathering around the table, uh, getting uh, Christmas ornaments from one set of grandparents that marked every year you know, that we got to unwrap, uh, getting Christmas pajamas from the other set of grandparents that we got to unwrap every year, not realizing until I was fairly long in life that those were the same presents I got to order or got to open every Christmas Eve. You know, you think that you're going to get something new and exciting, but you get an ornament and pajamas. But I look back fondly on those things, family gathered, being present with one another. But I, I look at the kind of the cycle that we're in and this devotional reading that we're doing uh, with Pastor Becca last week and and with the psalm we're looking at this week uh, of Christmas being more than a season of anticipation. Um, It's a cycle as we kind of read through in our responsive reading this morning where we remember, we lament, we repent, and we celebrate four different, very different things. And as I, I think about all my fond memories of Christmas and, and the joy that Christmas brings me every single year, that renewal of God's unfailing love in my life that I get to focus on, I, I lament that that is not what every person goes through. I, I look at uh, many of my friends, some extended family now, who enter Christmas seasons where uh, it's not a time filled with joy. Maybe it's not a time of of fond memories. Maybe it's a time of of bad memories, of broken family. Uh, Maybe it's a time, maybe this year, you're one of those people that's experiencing the first holiday season without someone. Uh, There are so many reasons uh, that we can enter into this time full of joy, but there are also so many reasons where we come and enter this time and we say, it's hard. It's a time where we lament and we cry out to God that we don't understand. It can be a a season of hurt. So as we continue to explore Advent, we we stop to allow the many emotions that come and uh, we take some time to process them. Uh, We process a time where we can lament, uh, whether that's in our own personal lives, our own unfaithfulness, maybe of coming back to that season of remembrance of God's unfailing love and saying, God, I'm so sorry that I, have, I cast that aside throughout this year and I just got busy with other things. Or maybe a time where we lament what others, our, our loved ones are going through, our church family are going through. A time where we can focus on the faithfulness of God, the uh, ever faithful love of God, the unfailing love, the steadfast love, whatever your translation says. A time where we can say, as we enter into this season, uh, maybe throughout this year I've fallen short a few times, but I'm coming into this season with an understanding that my God does not. My God does not fall short. My God is always faithful. My God and his love are always present. So let's uh, open up to Psalm 85. I'm just going to invite you to read along with me. It'll be on the screen in front of you uh, in the New Living Translation. But if you have your Bible, whatever Bible you have with you, uh, starting at verse 1, just reading the entirety of this psalm. And uh, I invite you to kind of look at the form that it's going to follow of remembrance, lament, um, and then 
uh, celebration, remembrance, lament, repent, repentance, and celebration. So starting at verse 1, it says this. Lord, you poured out blessings on your land. You restored the fortunes of Israel. You forgave the guilt of your people. Yes, you covered all their sins. You held back your fury. You kept back your blazing anger. Now restore us again, O God, of our salvation. Put aside your anger against us once more. Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to all generations? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, so our land will be filled with his glory. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from earth, and righteousness smiles down from heaven. Yes, the Lord pours down his blessings. Our land will yield his bountiful harvest. Righteousness goes as a herald before him, preparing the way for his steps. Father God, as we have read your word, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would be upon us. We pray, God, your Holy Spirit would discern your great truth for us. We believe this is your word, your true word. And so, God, we just pray that you would allow us to be permeated by your truth and your word. God, may it affect us as we talk about it today. May it change us in the ways that we think so that we might conform our ways to your ways, God. So that we will be one with you. Join with us now, God. Bless our time together. We pray this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Right in the middle of this psalm, uh, there is a Hebrew word called hesed. And that word, if you could remember one thing today out of the whole sermon, I would hope that you would remember hesed, which is unfailing love. God's unfailing love. Right in the heart at verse 7, God's people cry out to him and say, show us your unfailing love, your hesed, and grant us your salvation. God's love is unfailing. And as we look at kind of the definition of this word, hesed, unfailing love, uh, the way that we would treat it in human relationship is that hesed, unfailing love. Maybe you would consider it as a, a, a marital relationship when you pledge and have an agreement with a spouse. It would be based on a promise, an agreement, or a covenant, unfailing love. And in human terms, we kind of look at that unfailing love and we say, we hope. We hope that love will be unfailing, maybe in the marital sense, for the rest of our lives until death do us part. But we know we're fallible. But said, in the term of God, unfailing love simply means unfailing love. Love that never 
fails. It's understood as the writer is writing this psalm that the people are asking God to remember the covenant promise made to Abraham that God would be faithful to them. They're lamenting, they're crying out, they are recognizing their own sin, their own unfaithfulness, and uh, they are repenting and asking that God's faithfulness would be revealed to them once again, as it had been revealed to them in the past, as it continues to be revealed to us every day as we travel through our journey. They trust that God's love is big enough to accomplish this forgiveness. They trust that God's love is is big enough, expansive enough. And they trust that God will continue to be faithful once again. But just like every other human, we want to make sure, don't we? God, would you please show us your unfailing love? Advent is a season of an anticipation, but it can also be a season of lament and repentance. Let me remind you this morning that that during this season, we're able to just take a moment this morning and stop and look at our own hearts and where each of us are in our own journey as we journey towards this anticipation of Christ's return, this season of Advent. We're able to search, we're able to remember, we're able to lament, and we're able to repent and to seek after God, not not out of fear or anxiety, but because we can trust the unfailing love of God. We can continue to trust that God's faithfulness will persevere. So let's dig into this, and as we dig into this psalm, we're going to go backwards just a little bit. And look at this, has said, this unfailing love in that covenant that uh, we believe that the writer is writing about and the people are speaking about. It's uh, God making a covenant to Abraham. And if you go back to Genesis 15, I invite you today, later, if you uh, find yourself at home with not much to watch on TV, uh, to go to Genesis chapter 15 and just read this story about a covenant promise between God and Abram. In Genesis 15, God established a covenant with Abram. He promised him that he was going to have a son and that he would then become a father of a mighty nation, uh, descendants as many as the stars. If you remember that story, he took Abram out of his tent in the night and he asked him to look up to the sky and asked him if he could count how many stars there were. And that would be the descendants, a mighty nation that would bless and affect the entirety of humanity. But Abram asked him how he could be certain that this promise would be kept. He had a discussion with God. What would happen to show him? Just like you, just like me, we want that fleece cast out. God, would you just, would you just show us some proof? Would you just give us an example that we could rely on? We want to take you at your word, but God, that unfailing love, we, even though it's been there, sometimes we question it. So Abram asked how he could be certain, and God asked Abram to bring forth many animals, 
And he had Abram cut them in half and lay them on the ground with a path in between each half. This practice is, is known as a cutting covenant, and it is a very serious covenant. It could be done between two humans. And the seriousness was that you both walked through the journey of the path between the two halves of the animals. And you understood that if either side broke the covenant, you would become like those two animals, slaughtered, split in two. Typically, that journey is taken together, those two parties. But as Abram dreamt that night, he saw the Lord in a vision, taking the journey by himself, down the halves of those animals, with blood scattered on the ground. God promising to Abram that his covenant, his promise of future generations, a nation, would be fulfilled. I look at that and I say, you know, that's, it is amazing to me that God would do that. That God would take on both sides of the responsibility why would God say to us that we have no responsibility? I think it's just so important to him that we understand his unfailing love, that we understand his promise, his word, that we see that, him taking the path by himself, but he does not leave us absent in responsibility. It's only a couple chapters later that God calls Abram and asks for a covenant of obedience. We've talked about it before. It's in Genesis 17. God reiterated the covenant by establishing a circumcision with the men of the nation. An obedience, a following of God, something substantial, a covenant establishing truth, and faithfulness. So the cutting covenant was for Abram and all of his descendants. And it revealed the steadfast love the promise God had given because of God's demonstration of taking both sides of responsibility. But at the same time, because of the circumcision covenant, God's people were still expected to maintain their faithfulness to God as well. So we have this covenant that now countless years later, these people are crying out to remember. Psalm 85 is a lament focused on God's faithfulness. And it seems kind of an oxymoron to me that we would have a lament. And then we would say that it is focused on God's faithfulness. If we were truly believing in God's ultimate faithfulness, why would we be lamenting? But the human life finds itself in cycles of lament, doesn't it? In seasons of hurt, in seasons of doubt, in seasons of questions. In need of the remembrance that God's faithfulness is ever present. Advent is a season that can be focused on faithfulness as well as all the things we've said before. 
focused on the faithfulness of God, focused on the arrival of a Savior, focused on the unfailing love that has been shown to every single person, past, present, and future. So let's take a look at this psalm, kind of at the heart of it, verse by verse, looking at the form we've talked about of remembrance, lament, repentance, and celebration. We start with the very beginning, verse 1 through verse 3. I'll remind you, it's just the people remembering and proclaiming the faithfulness of God. It says, Lord, you poured out your blessings on your land, exclamation point. You restored the fortunes of Israel. You forgave the guilt of your people. Yes, you covered all their sins. You held back your fury. You kept back your anger. Remembering, remembering covenant. God remembered his covenant. He did it over and over and over again. He brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He gave them a blessed and prosperous land flowing with milk and honey. He forgave them of their doubt, their idolatry, their unfaithfulness. He held back a larger punishment that was owed to them. And then God, at the time of this writing, they're remembering God bringing them out of exile from Babylon and back to the promised land again. Again, his unfailing love showing through this time. And very easy for them to recall that God had forgiven them in the past, that God was forgiving them in the present and would remain faithful to his covenant to continue his unfailing love and forgiveness in the future. This really points me to the hope that comes from Advent the hope of continued forgiveness from the heart of God, not, not a reminder to God. I think sometimes we, we can read these lament, these psalms of lament, and we can read uh, other authors of Scripture, and we can say, uh, man, it seems like they're telling God things that he already knows, and they're asking him to remember things that he's already done. Maybe not just reminding him but maybe as an act of writing, of speaking it out loud, reminding ourselves once again that refreshing of the season, reminding ourselves that God's unveiling love is continuing right now, right here, right where we are in our need for forgiveness. That God is faithful to forgive the big and the small, that he never stops, that his unfailing love continues on and on. So we look at that. This is the very first part of it, the remembrance. It's good for us to remember, isn't it? It's good for us to remember the good things of God. It gets us in a right frame of mind. Whether we find ourselves in the joy of the season or whether we find ourselves in the lament of the season. It's good to remember that God's unfailing love is present with us right here and right now. We move into verse 4 through 6, which is uh, the lament. And it says this, now, we rest now restore to us, God, O God, of our salvation. Put aside your anger against us once more. Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to all generations? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? 
Maybe you know someone, maybe you are someone who finds yourself this year, in this season, asking questions of God rather than singing Christmas carols. Maybe you find yourself having some doubts about what's going on in your life and you're lamenting. Maybe it just feels like God hasn't talked to you in for so long that you're wondering if he's really even there or not. I just want to let you know that's all good stuff. We go through that cycle. It's okay. My encouragement to you would be that you do what the the scripture here is doing and you just ask God those questions. And you give him an opportunity to respond. We, We lament, will God be angry with them forever? Will God be angry with us? Sometimes it feels like, you know, we would uh, put human behavior on God and say God's given us the silent treatment because we've done something wrong. Will he be angry with us forever? It it can sometimes feel as if God is not, not present or not listening to our cries for help, so we just lament, we cry out with hope, the hope that God will answer. We cry out with the hope that God's unfailing love will be for us and not against us, and it'll show up again in our life sometime. Will the people be revived? We look forward to a day when we're not so low. We look forward to a day when we can have happiness again, where the season can be what it is meant for, anticipation, when things are brighter and we wonder if that day will ever come and great news is, yes, it will. Because God's unfailing love And his faithfulness are just that, unfailing. So we remember and we lament. We move into verse 7, kind of a turning point in this psalm. And it says this. It's a cry for God's unfailing love to be present once again. Show us your unfailing love, O Lord and grant us your salvation. This is the word we started with, has said, unfailing love, a declaration imploring God to remember the covenant agreement. The people want to know that they can expect the behavior from the agreement, the promise, the covenant that was given. But it also shows that the people know they are loved in spite of the fact that they have failed their side of the agreement. They're holding on to hope. They're asking God to be faithful in spite of their unfaithfulness. I think a true saying uh, about God and us would be this. Uh, We are not always faithful, but God is. We, We are not always faithful. We are human, we fail. But God is always faithful. He is the very thing that we can count on in every moment of our life. We are not always faithful, but we can be certain that God is. God has not broken his covenant. He is still walking the path between the two halves of these blood-soaked ground and these animals, still providing unfailing love to us, still providing faithfulness to us time and time again. 
We get to verse 8 and, and verse 9, and there's a shift. I love so many times in Psalms and in other writings in Scripture where we have this lament. We have a pouring out of our soul. We have a question and doubts. And then there comes this turning point where the heart remembers. A turning point about the faithfulness of God. And then you just see the, the words change. You hear the, the voice change almost. There's a shift of focus here, as if the heart of the writer has come to realization about these promises of God. It says this, I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. Two, three verses ago, the author is saying, will you be angry with me forever? Will you ever revive me? And then a shift. I listen carefully to what God the Lord says. He speaks peace to his faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. And we hit repentance. Let them not return to their foolish ways. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, so our land will be filled with his glory. God promises peace to a faithful people and salvation to those who follow him. And because of God's great faithfulness, our lament turns from sorrow and lament and crying out to hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. The times, they are a change in, and our land will be filled with his glory. What would that look like for our nation right now? What would that look like for the nation of Israel or Palestine? For the lands of this world to pause, to remember, to lament, to repent, to listen to the word of the Lord to listen to peace and have it be poured out upon us. What I think it would lead to is celebration. If we could just stop to think for a moment of what peace, what real peace, God's shalom, would mean in this world right now, right now in Ukraine, in Israel, wherever there's conflict. I think it would bring celebration. So we turn to verse 10 through 13, which really kind of shows us a celebration of sorts. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed Truth springs up from the earth and righteousness smiles down from heaven. Yes, the Lord pours down his blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest. Righteousness goes as a herald before him, preparing the way for his steps. I think in all this we 
and stop for a moment this Advent and begin to realize that God's unfailing love is not just for those who cried out in this psalm, for the psalm writer, for those who had just come back from exile in Babylon, looking for new life. That God's unveiling love is present with us right here, right now. Present for all of us. Whether we find ourselves on the mountaintop singing just songs at the top of our lungs in the car as we drive down the road, because Christmas is here. Or whether we're just driving down the road with tears in our eyes and silence, because we just don't know what to say. And we find ourselves asking God questions of doubt and insecurity. If there's one thing I would like you to know today, it's that God's unfailing love is present with you right here, right now no matter where you are on your journey. So as we close this sermon, I just want to go through this form that we have talked about in this psalm that we read in our responsive reading. The form of remember, lament, repent, and celebrate. So we remember. I want you to remember some things. To remember the steadfast, unfailing love of God through a story in Scripture. I want you to just take a moment and think about a story in Scripture. And you cannot use John 3.16 as your story in Scripture. A story in Scripture that just shows you, tells you, maybe it's one you remember from Sunday school, I don't know. Maybe it's one you're reading right now that reminds you of God's unfailing love. The first one that comes to my mind from my young Sunday school days is the rainbow after the flood. That even in the midst of great destruction, there was life and a promise that God would be with us, that he wouldn't do that again, but that he would be with us. Remember through the stories of Scripture, God's steadfast, unfailing love. Now I want you to take a second to think about God's steadfast, unfailing love, a story of something that has happened in this church, your church, your church family. You can witness it, God's unfailing love through Scripture, but you can also witness it through the people of this church. For me, that's just our journey to get here. We had no clue why Paul asked us to come here, why God asked us to come here. It was very clear to us that God told us this is what we needed to do. And we kind of came here without really even knowing after we got here why we were coming here, except for God told us this is what we needed to do. We found a church family that loved us and supported us. We found a church family that just grabbed on to us in the midst of a cancer diagnosis and said, we're here with you. The unfailing love of God is modeled through every single one of you. 
as you serve joyfully, as you live graciously with one another, as you love everyone, even a kooky family that moved here from Tri-Cities with no clue why. I want you also to remember God's steadfast love, his unfailing love through the stories of friends and family. Some of you may not have great stories. Uh, You know, we don't all come from amazing families. There are so many of us that have broken relationships. So maybe it's a friend who is more like family to you than your own family. But remember the steadfast, unfailing love of God through a story in your family, in your friends. We prayed about it this morning. Mine's Sherry Smallwood, my sister in cancer, who, you know, what, four or five months ago got a three-week-to-live diagnosis and today is in remission. God's unfailing love miraculously working to find her the right doctor at the right time who said, we can beat this and then prove it to her. A God-given gift to that doctor, medical science. Remember through your friends, remember through your family, God's steadfast, unfailing love. We remember, but we also lament. I'm just going to make an assumption. I know what happens when we do that, but I'm just going to make an assumption, a logical assumption, that each of us has most likely witnessed a relationship that has disregarded unfailing love in whatever form, whether it's divorce, uh, a lifelong relationship, best friend relationship that just broke in pieces, siblings, whatever. Each of us has most likely witnessed a a relationship that has disregarded unfailing love. That expectation of behavior based on a a covenant or promise or, or an agreement. And because of this, it's sometimes challenging for us to accept that unfailing love from God. Because sometimes we take what happens in human form and we put it on God. We transfer it, so to speak. being a part of maybe one of those relationships that disregarded unfailing love, maybe there's feelings of unworthiness, feelings of not good enough. And we can take that and we can transfer it to God and say, God couldn't possibly love me. And if you find yourself right there, I lament with you. I've been there before. But I found a God of unfailing love who proved to me that I was worth it. And if you find yourself lamenting there today over broken relationships and family or friendships, I want you to remember the steadfast, unfailing love of God that will bring healing one day. So we lament for it. We pray for it. 
Advent is a good season to reflect on all these emotions. And as we remember and we lament, we repent. We repent the ways that we've been unfaithful to God. Maybe it's just something as simple as I said earlier at the beginning of the sermon. I would love to be in the Christmas spirit year-round, reminding every person of God's unfailing love and anticipating the second coming of Christ. But I find myself forgetting that when I go through things. Whatever it is for you, I invite you during this Advent as you remember, as you lament, that you take time to listen to the Holy Spirit and find out if there's a single thing between you and God. And if so, repent. To turn away from that thing, to just cast that thing aside. Say, I'm not going back there anymore. Where do we need to repent? It could be uh, corporate sin, social sin, personal failings. It doesn't matter what it is. I just invite you during this season to take the time to go through this process, to remember, to lament, to repent. We don't need to fear that God will lash out at us when we're honest with him and we say, I have messed up. Honesty before God and one another leads to transformation in our lives. I'll say that again. Honesty before God and others leads to transformation in our lives. It takes the things that hold us down, brings them to light, so we can cast them aside. And when we remember God's steadfast love, his unfailing love from the past, when we lament our broken covenants and repent of our failings, because we do fail, we then get the opportunity to celebrate. To celebrate God's unfailing love for us right here, right now. Christmas is probably one of the biggest ways that we do that. We do this in huge ways at Christmas when we celebrate God's love that was so immense God became human to dwell with us to show us God's love in the flesh to become the ultimate sacrifice that would pave the way for our own redemption and salvation but I want to challenge you we can do this throughout the year and not just at Christmas and it's not not just a Christmas spirit thing. I think it's a Holy Spirit thing. We do it through our worship as we come here, through songs and prayers, through sharing with others. We're graciously doing life one with another. We're joyfully serving, loving every single person, no matter their background. Loving every single person that walks through this door. Loving every single person that we meet showing them the love of Christ, extending and being the model of God's unfailing love, his steadfast love lived out. So 
So know this, because of God's unfailing, steadfast love, you are loved. You are loved today by a great God who has great big ideas about you. This truth that is at the heart of the Christmas story, God's love is abiding and faithful. It's something that we can trust on. It's something that we can count on. We could say this has said, this unfailing love in human form, that we hope we would be able to do that. But with God, this has said, this unfailing love is just that, unfailing. It is ever-present. It is big enough for us, no matter where we find ourselves, whether we find ourselves in joy or lament. It is big enough, no matter the sin we find ourselves in. It is expansive enough to cover us and to be present for us, even if others have failed around us, even if we ourselves have failed, we can trust that God loves us and we can go to him just as they did in this song and remember all the times he's been faithful to us. To lament the times we've been unfaithful to him. To repent of those times and say, God, I'm going to do my very best to follow after you and be a man after your own heart. And to celebrate a God who loves us so very much. Would you stand and pray with me this morning? Father God, we just thank you so much for your unfailing love. It's at the heart of the psalm we've read today. And God, we just pray as we walk out these doors that we would take the idea of of your hesed, your unfailing love, not ours, because ours is fallible. We find it difficult to call our love unfailing. But your love, God, ever-present, steadfast, unfailing. We thank you for that, and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, you would just fill us to overflowing with that unfailing love, that it just oozes out of us, and that every person we meet would find out about Jesus through your great love. God, we ask for that transformation in us, as we remember all the times you've been faithful to us, we remember through your scripture, we remember through your church, through our friends and family. Uh, God, as we lament the times we've been unfaithful and the things that are going on in our life that we have questions, God, we'll pour out our questions to you and give you time to respond. And God, as we repent of the, the wrongs in our life and we cast them aside, we ask you to transform us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ, so that all may know your glory, so that all may know your love. And God, we pray for the great celebration. When your son, Jesus, sets foot on this earth, when the trumpet sounds and all creation is redeemed, when everyone hears that sound, when there is no denying that your unfailing love is now present once and for all. Go with us, Father. 
as we enter into your world and empower us to be ambassadors for Christ. We pray this in God's great and holy name. Amen. Now your challenge is to do just that. Go and be the church, folks. You are dismissed. Thank you for joining us on the First Mass Podcast. We look forward to seeing you in person at 1700 8th Street in Lewiston. Come join us.